Well, it's great to be able to open up the Bible together again. I'm thankful to have you on live stream watching as we're going to study together. Uh, be sure to open up your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We want to share a message entitled Christian Re uh, Relationships out of Romans chapter 12. And while you're opening up and get yourself set up and ready for the time of preaching, Remember, this Sunday, we're back in church with in-person worship. So 9 a.m., we'll be having uh, in-person worship. We'll have live stream at 9 a.m. Also, we'll have a children's church in that 9 a.m. service. And uh, we'll be observing communion together. I'm excited about everyone getting back together uh, this Sunday and being able to observe communion together. So 9 a.m. Then we'll have our 10.30 service, which will be uh, in person uh, only. And then at five, well, 4.30, we're going to be starting to do some choir practice. If you've sung in the choir before and uh, you'd like to do so now, uh, we have some music we want to try to work on to get ready for Easter Sunday. We had all kinds of music together and ready to go last year for Easter Sunday, and we got shut down. And uh, so we want to be able to celebrate Easter in an exciting way uh, as we sing some great songs about the resurrection of Jesus. And so 4.30, choir practice. 5.30 will be live stream and also in-person uh, Bible study uh, together through our discussion panel and so that'll be at 5.30 and then 6 o'clock in the evening will be our evening worship. And so you want to make yourself ready for all these different opportunities to be able to gather together with God's people and to be able to worship and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Well, you should be uh, to their passage, Romans chapter 12 by now. And we want to go ahead and go into our message, Christian Relationships. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned, affectioned one toward another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulations, uh, continuing instant in prayer, uh, distrib dispute, distributing, I can't even read tonight, amen, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given the hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate, uh, be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll go look at this a little bit together tonight. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together and be able to read the Bible I'm thankful, Lord, that we can consider these things of uh, relationships as believers in Christ. And I would pray, Lord, if there's someone watching uh, that is not never trusted Christ as their Savior, 
I pray they would uh, understand tonight uh, the great change that takes, takes place in a person's heart uh, when they're born again. And uh, Lord, all things are new. And certainly our relationships that we develop with each other are, are life-changing. And uh, Lord, we can impact one another uh, by the love of Christ that is in our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that you might bless the preaching tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> I don't really have a text verse that I want to start off from. I just want to take all these uh, verses that we read, verse 9 through 16, and kind of compact them together and see what it is that the Lord would have us uh, to learn about our relationships one with another. You know, this whole thing with COVID, I think one of the things that uh, really has become a negative thing in the life of Christians with COVID is that we've been so separated. Uh, we haven't been together. And uh, as a result of it, it's easy to start breaking down our understanding of our responsibility in reference to our relationships one with another. And it is so important for us to maintain those relationships. I heard a statistic this morning on the radio. It said that in reference to uh, um, uh, kids and COVID, contracting COVID, they said that our, our children, our teenagers, are 10 times more likely to commit suicide than to get COVID-19. And yet we've, we've had such a hard line of restriction on children uh, re, uh, in reference to keeping them isolated, uh, also uh, refusing to allow them to be in school and interact with one another. And we have forgotten through COVID-19 how much of an impact just relationship building takes place in, uh, in uh, not only our young people, but we as adults also. When you think about being a Christian, we uh, understand that the Christian, being a Christian is all about relationships. Uh, you don't get saved unless you ha uh, have built a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we not only have that relationship with Christ, but that relationship with each other. And so uh, everything about being a Christian deals with being relational. Uh, Christianity is not about buildings. It's not about uh, programs and things like that. It's about how we relate to one another and how we relate to Jesus Christ. You know, Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, uh, in the uh, beginning chapters of Romans, he deals with all these doctrinal issues. And uh, doctrine is so important to us. And then uh, then halfway through the book, he starts to deal with national issues in reference to Israel. And you know, listen, doctrine is, is important and uh, nationality is important. But then as he concludes the book of Romans, he deals with this matter of relationship issues. And uh, it's so vitally important for us to understand uh, how we impact one another. Most of the time, it's easier for us to make sure that we get our doctrine straight and get these national uh, uh, principles and uh, reactions to uh, straightened out. It's easy to do that, but when we start to deal with relationships, that's where things start to break down. 
The Christian life is about relationships, and that all starts with the Lord. And uh, when we trust Christ as our Savior, we build a very personal relationship with the Lord. Uh, we not only have relationships in reference starting with the Lord, but then ex extends to the husband and wife. And many, many a marriage uh, falls apart uh, because of the failure of the husband or the wife or both of them uh, not being focused on building that relationship as a husband and wife together. And then there's that relationship with parents, with the children. And uh, there should not be a disconnect. I don't know why. I remember years ago I heard a, a, a radio preacher. Uh, they were talking about raising children and dealing with teenagers. And he made this statement that, well, you know, I was counseling this uh, uh, these two parents, a uh, husband and wife, and they were... Uh, dealing with teenagers, and, and they were asking for advice on how to deal with their teenage children. And I told them, just pray that you get through to the end uh, uh, until, until they become an adult. And I thought, boy, that's not a very good biblical answer for dealing with uh, the situation they were dealing with with their teenage uh, children. Uh, we don't just live our life just to get through. Uh, there needs to be a relationship that is established and built upon uh, with a parent and their child. And then certainly as Christians, we have relationships, Christians with Christians. And oftentimes in the church, uh, there's splits in the church, there's problems in the church, there's conflicts in the church. And it's because of the fact that we do not continue to build that Christian to Christian relationship and then certainly we understand there's the relationship of the Christian with the unbeliever and uh, we are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers but we are to evangelize the unbeliever uh, we are to establish a relationship with the unbeliever where they trust us they see us as being honorable and trustworthy uh, they, uh, uh, you build a rapport with them so that you might be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, before the service started, we were talking about years ago with the bus ministry and going soul winning. I mean, people would talk to you and people would uh, send their children on the bus to come to church. And that's not the way it is anymore. And we used to be able to knock on doors and you'd lead somebody to the Lord as soon as you talk to them. But now it takes time to build a relationship because people are so skeptical in the world that we're living in. If we're not going to be willing to invest time and effort to build a relationship, we're not going to be leading people to Christ. And so what happens, we have uh, developed this whole way of living that's contrary to the scriptures because the way that we're living is not focused on relationship. Uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about this Sunday with the, you know getting church open back up with people in person uh, worship, and it's not because of the fact that the number of people that we can get here. It's about there's been a breakdown in relationships, and we need to rebuild and reestablish those relationships. And uh, and so uh, we need to be thrilled about the fact of how we can interact with each other. In this passage, verses 9 through 16, the Apostle Paul is dealing with this simple subject, 
of believers with other believers. How do we respond? How do we react? How do we build those relationships? So let's look at these things, just a few thoughts tonight on how to build or establish or nurture Christian relationships. Notice verse 9 and 10, where we begin reading, there's an emotional bonding that takes place. He says in verse 9, Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affection one to another, with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. And so he's dealing with this emotional connection that takes place, this emotional bonding uh, that uh, is experienced. I remember when I got saved, I was shocked, you know, that all these different people that I didn't know all of a sudden loved me. Uh, and, uh, and so I wasn't uh, accustomed to that, of very being able to very quickly uh, emotionally connect with other people that in a way that would impact my life and change my life. And so this emotional bonding that we have, notice this emotional bonding deals with uh, we are to love. And uh, verse 9 says, let love be without dissimulation. And so we are to love one another. The word for love here is the Greek word agape. And when you use the word agape in reference to love, it is dealing with a sacrificial type of love. And uh, Jesus agaped us. He loved us with a love that was uh, drove him and uh, filled him with a desire to die in our place, to take all of our torment and all of our suffering and all of our sin upon himself. Why? Because he agaped us. He loved us. And uh, so it's a sacrificial type of love. In John chapter 15 and uh, verse 12, it says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And uh, so when we talk about Christian relationships, we don't love one another to get something out of somebody. We love one another with a sacrificial spirit as Christ loved us. And so we say, well, well, how am I supposed to treat my brother and sister in Christ? How am I supposed to respond to them? You're to respond to them the way Christ responded to us. You're to respond to them the way Christ loved us. In John chapter 15 and verse 17, it says, these things I command you, that you love one another. So he not only states that we're to love one another by the example of his love towards us, but he says we're to love one another because he has commanded us to love. So that's not an option to say, well, I don't feel like loving the brethren. Uh, you don't have that option to say, well, okay, if so-and-so treats me the way I want to be treated, uh, then I'll show love towards them. No, you're to follow the example of Christ and you're to be obedient to the command of Christ that we are to love one another. And so this, this whole concept of relationship building is based on the love of Christ for us. And so we are to love with an agape love a sacrificial commitment. Then he says in here to love, let uh, love be without dissimulation. 
And so I think I put that up there. I did. Without the simulation. And it says without the simulation, it just means sincerity. You know, in other words, it was, it's without hypocrisy. Uh, we don't put on a pretense. We don't walk in the church on Sunday and put on our Sunday uh, a smile and uh, was, oh, I love you, brother. I love you, sister in Christ. And, and then we walk out the door and our sour look comes back on our face and we start gossiping about one another. That's not the love that builds relationships that is a bonding relationship because Paul says, let's, let's love, let's have a sacrificial love like Christ loved. And that type of a love is without dissimulation. You are sincere. You're without a false pretense. Uh, it is without hypocrisy. And so that's how the kind of love we need to have for one another. And I watched over the years, people put up their uh, walls, they put on their shells, as it were, and uh, they might come in all comfy and cozy and smiley in church talking about loving one another, but they certainly don't act that way when no one else is around. And so we need to have a relationship that is binding, an emotion that is binding uh, based on the fact of an agape love that Christ has given to us. And so he tells us we're to love. In this relationship building, uh, we are also to hate. Uh, and you say, whoa, wait a minute. I wait a minute. You just said to love, and now you're saying we should hate. hate. But look what he says, abhor that which is evil. And so this matter of hating that which is evil. The word abhor here is a very interesting word. Because abhor means to dislike. And it carries with it the idea of disliking uh, based on the fact to have a fear of. Abhor that which is evil. He's saying you need to dislike that which is evil because of the fact that it has instilled a fear in you. And uh, so if, if you have, I don't know, say if you take an animal and you, and you beat your animal, you beat your dog, uh, your dog is not going to like you uh, because he's going to fear what you're going to do to him. And so he says, we're to adhere that which is evil because of the fact we ought to be afraid of that which is evil. We abhor that which is evil because it has created a dislike or a disdain in our heart because of the effects of what evil does to us. Psalm 119 in uh, verse 128 says, Mine eyes fail for thy salvation, uh, for thy word uh, of thy righteousness. And uh, uh, Psalm 119 in verse 28, and the desire is that we long for, uh, that's not the verse, where am I at here? I looked at the wrong verse. Oh, there it is. It's uh, verse 128, Psalm 119. It might be nice if I read the right verse. It says, therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate the false way. And so knowing this, 
the things that we embrace and the things that we hold to are the things that are of God's precepts because his precepts are always right. And because of the fact we hold to the precepts of God, then we, we abhor or we hate those things that are a false way. And uh, because of the fact it leads us on a path of corruption. And Psalm 119 in verse 163 says, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. And so if we're going to be able to build a strong bonding, emotional binding in our relationships, we're going to abhor, I'm sorry, abhor that which is evil. And so evil means just simply that which is against God. So it's hard for us to be able to build a relationship with each other if we embrace things that are evil, things that are against God, and carries with it the idea of things that are corrupt. And so how can I have a strong Christian relationship with a brother or sister in Christ if I am or if they are embracing those things that are against God? That's why Paul is very clear that we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? Because, you know, what, what uh, concord has God with Belial? Uh, you know, and so how, how can I have a, an emotional connection, an emotional bonding with someone when their life is consumed with the things that God has condemned? And so it's impossible for us to do that. And so I want to develop an emotional bonding. So that means I'm not only going to love one another, but we're going to hate that which is against God and is corrupt because of the fact that we cannot build our relationship together, God with Satan, you know, heaven with hell, you, you, can't, you can't build a bonding relationship when there's that, that extreme of conflict and corruption in that relationship. So we're to love, we're to hate, but then also in our verse, in verse 9, we're to cleave. And so he says, cleave that, that which is good. And we often say that when you say you can't, be partaker of that which is corrupt, then you need to give the person or you need to experience that which is good. If you tell your children they cannot watch uh, certain movies, your children shouldn't be watching R-rated movies and all this, that, and the other. But if you tell them they can't watch that, then you need to give them something positive and something that is good that's going to build their Christian character. And so you have to cleave to that which is good. That, that cleave means to be glued. Uh, you, know, you know, in Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve and he brought them together, he says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. It really has the idea of being glued together to where you cannot be drawn apart. 
And so when we talk about Christian relationships, that means I'm going to be so committed to Christ that I'm glued to him, that there's nothing that in this world that can allure me away from him. But then when we bring it into Christian relationships in the church, we ought to be so bound to each other, so glued to each other, that there's nothing in this world that can entice us to be removed from each other. It's an alarming thing I've watched over the years uh, that Christians will get connected with unsaved and people that are living their life in rebellion to what the Word of God has to say, and they'll be connected with them and committed to them and struggle with this whole concept of wanting to be in church and be with other Christians because if the Christians are living their life for the glory of God, there's a constant conflict there. And so we need to be glued, as it says here, cleave to that which is good. And when you talk about that which is good, you're talking about something that is righteous or something that is pleasant in the presence of God. And so we want to have a sound emotional bonding, but it's not going to happen if we pull apart from that which is good. And uh, so we have to hold to that which is righteous. And, and then we can develop a relationship uh, that is long-lasting, uh, just being bound one towards another. It's, I'm always... Uh, uh, amazed when I consider, you know, here at our church, at Ocean County Baptist Church, how many people are in this church that have been here since the first days, the early days, the first, second year that the church was established. And they're still here. Now you understand not everything has been perfect and good at the church. You understand not everybody has responded in a, always in a positive way. You understand that there's always been opportunities for conflict uh, in the church and there's always been temptations to go the way of the world. But hallelujah for those that have cleaved to Ocean County Baptist Church. And it's not the building, but it's the people in the church. The people make up the church. And there is an emotional bonding that is there that has held them here for the 40 years that this church has been here. What a glorious experience of being able to know that we can cleave one towards another. I remember when I first came here 25 years ago, there was people wanting me to come over to their house. There was others that I visited that had left the church. And I remember going into some people's homes and right away they wanted to start talking about people in the church. And I told them, I said, that is not the purpose of me being here. Because you're not going to sow division and discord among the brethren uh, because you've connected with something that is bad and evil. And you need to return and connect to that which is good. And you need to cleave to that. And stop allowing something that is corrupt and evil to draw you away. And the amazing thing is they didn't want to have any more conversations with me after I said that. But oftentimes the devil always brings somebody in your life to try to cut away the glue that ought to be causing you to adhere to the brethren. 
And so how can you build a relationship that is a Christian relationship if you allow that breakdown? Well, let's move on. Notice he states here that we're to be affectionate. He says in verse 10, be kindly affectioned one towards another with brotherly love. That word kindly affection means a, to deal with a natural kind of love. A natural love that would be, say, between a parent and a child. It, it is abnormal for a parent not to love their children. And when he says here we'll be kindly affectioned, he means that the love that we have one for another is a real love that is comes natural. It's not something that has to be worked up. It is something that is instilled and embedded in us because of the love of Christ for us that we also love the brethren. It's a natural. John deals with that in 1 John chapter 4. That whole chapter deals with this concept of love. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It was a natural thing for Christ to love us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so when we talk about building Christian relationships, this matter of being kindly affectioned one towards another is a natural type of love as illustrated of the love of a parent for a child. And so a kindly affection, he says here, uh, with brotherly love. And so that means the direction, the focus of the love that you have is towards the Christian. And we ought to have more love, binding love for fellow believers uh, than we do have for the unsaved. We have a love for the unsaved, uh, but it's for the purpose, it's a love to get them delivered from their sin and in faith in Christ. But that love is different than the love that we have for each other. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you have a love for people uh, but you know that your love for your family is different than the love that you have for people that you don't know. And so our love for the brethren is stronger and natural, more so than our love would be for the unsaved. And so we're to be kindly affection one towards another. Then notice in our verse, I got to get moving, I'll never get done this message. Uh, it says in verse 10, in honor preferring one another. That word preferring is an interesting word because preferring means to be willing to lead. Uh, in other words, it being willing to set the example and it carries with it the idea preferring is putting others first. Preferring is I'll make the choice to lead in this matter, but my leadership is, it's more important for you to be first. It's putting others first before yourself. Why would you do that? Uh, because that we have an emotional bonding of love. I love my wife, 
And because I love my wife, I prefer her. In that, yes, I'm the head of my household and I'm the lead in my household, but my love for my wife gives me the ability to lead in that I want to satisfy her. I want to meet her needs. And uh, I like going fishing. Anytime I can go fishing, I try to go fishing, and that's not very often. But there's been many times I've thought, thought, well, you know, it's my day off. I'm going to go fishing, and I get home, and I get thinking, you know what? I haven't been home all week long, and I've been working 14, 15 hours every day, and I get home, and it's my day off, and now I'm going to go out fishing all day long. And I think, you know what? I think I'm just not going to go fishing. I think I'm going to stay here with my wife. What is that? That's preferring her. Why would I do that? Because I love her. And so the emotional bond that is created there in this matter of preferring is illustrated in the love of a husband for his wife, as I just shared. That ought to be in the church. We should not always want the preeminence. Our leadership, based on the love of Christ that is in us, uh, enables us to put others first. And so emotional bonding in verse 9 and 10. Notice in verse 11, there's an industrial service. In uh, verse 11, he says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And so we're not to be slothful. Uh, in other words, we're not to be lazy. And I, I've seen a lot of people over the years that are just lazy. But in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, says that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so uh, everything in the scripture deals with this matter of us being industrious. Uh, you know, the work of the ministry, uh, <laughs> I heard this guy, I'm not going to say where he, who, where he was from and who he was talking about or whatever, uh, but he was complaining about a ministry that he worked in for a while and he was complaining because of the fact that the pastor expected them to work more than 40 hours a week. <laughs> I thought to myself, I have never worked a job in my life, whether it's in the secular world or whether it was in the church of Jesus Christ or whether it's in full-time ministry as I am, find myself in uh, God's call upon my life. I have never worked a job in my life that worked less than 40 hours a week. I mean, every job, I've always had to work 60, 70 hours a week. And what, what's the problem? The problem is we have lost this matter of building relationships based on having an industrial spirit about us. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean, okay, now we can be lazy. I'm afraid a lot of this whole comments of years ago came up with that phrase, let go and let God. And I understand the let go and let God because God is the one that saves us. We can't save ourselves and we're not involved in the process of getting saved. It's all by grace through faith. And so let go and let God. But I'm afraid that concept has permeated our work ethics. Well, that's all right. Well, God will take care of it. And so we, we just become lazy. And then we wonder why we're not building relationships that are strong relationships. 
We're not to be slothful. Slothful means to be sluggish or slow. Uh, slothful means just not, not to be looking at the task or the responsibility or the individual with a sense of urgency and necessity to be involved in and committed to them in this matter of uh, Christian relationships. Notice he says uh, that we're not to be slothful in business, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. And so he says that we're to be servant, we're, uh, uh, fervent, I'm sorry. We're not to be slothful, but we're supposed to be fervent. And that word fervent there means to be hot or excited. You know, God condemns the church of Laodicea because they were lukewarm. And I believe that God wants us to be hot in our service of him, hot in our service of one another, excited about living our Christian life and connecting and, and, and empowering others to be able to live their life for Christ. 1 Peter 4.8 says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. I think there would be less conflicts and less problems in the church if brothers and sisters in Christ had a sense of fervency, fire in their heart about having a relationship with each other that is life-changing and bonding and, uh, and, and brings glory to our God in heaven. So we're not to be slothful. We're not, we are to be fervent. And then he says, serving the Lord. So we are to serve. One of the things, the uh, problems with this whole thing with this pandemic and everything else and people aren't in church and everything else, it has shut down people's ability to serve. And uh, you can watch live stream, and I, hallelujah, I'm thankful for the live stream. Uh, and, uh, but listen, don't get comfortable sitting on your couch. Because the reality is, we are, in Christian relationships, supposed to serve one another. Because we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't serve the Lord when you're just sitting at home. You don't serve the Lord when you're not discipling somebody. You don't serve the Lord when you're not in church. You're not serving the Lord. And so we've, we've got to do it. The word serve there means to be a bond slave to Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul would say, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word he would use, the Greek word would be uh, doulos. I'm a doulos of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a bond slave to Christ. But Joshua 24, 24, and the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and his voice will we obey. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 17, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said this, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. This matter of an industrial mindset of building relationships because of the fact that we're serving Jesus Christ. So I see emotional bonding. I see international, industrial service. Then in verse 12, I see a spiritual assessment. Notice in verse 12, he says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulations, continue, continuing instant in prayer. Spiritual assessment. 
And the spiritual assessment, first of all, is celebrate new life in Christ. Because he says, rejoice in hope. We have something to rejoice in. And uh, I was visiting someone today who's uh, recovering from COVID. And uh, we were just having a great time rejoicing in the goodness of God. And uh, acknowledging the fact that God is the one who gives us new life. That's why Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And I was uh, uh, over at the chiropractor today and I was talking with him and we were just talking about the things of God and, and uh, we were um, uh, talking about this whole thing was COVID. That's not the way I planned. I planned on having eye surgery back in January. And then I go and get tested and I got COVID. And I'm like, how in the world did I get COVID? And, uh, but anyway, I had it and they canceled my eye surgery and all this. I had all kinds of plans put in place. But God stepped in and God changed the plans. And I'm going to rejoice in the Lord, whether it's through COVID or whether it's lack of surgery or whatever it may be. It's what we're dealing with, oh, there's all kinds of speculations about stock markets crashing and all that. And I'm telling you one thing right now. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. I can rejoice and celebrate the new life that I have in Jesus Christ. And I think it's about time for us to stop whining and complaining about everything and start getting happy in the Lord. Spiritual assessment. He said rejoice in hope. Then he says there's a confidence through struggles in life. Because he says here in verse 12, patient in tribulations. The word patient there means to endure through the tribulations, getting through the struggles of life. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, ye shall have tribulation. Then, Christian, why is it that we question the trials and difficulties in life? He didn't say you might have it. He didn't say be careful of it. He said, in this world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So there's confidence through struggles in life, spiritual assessment. You say, what is that going to have to do with relationships? I'm going to tell you one thing right now. A Christian who is excited about God, a Christian who is committed to the Lord no matter what the trials are, a Christian that's always rejoicing in God impacts my life more so than somebody who wants to gripe and complain all the time. Confident through struggles, a spiritual assessment. Then continue in our prayers. He says here, continuing instant in prayer. Colossians 4, 2 says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Well, let's hurry on. We want to get this done. In verse 13 through 15, notice there's a practical involvement. Then verse 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints. Be ready to help others. Always be ready to help somebody else. Notice not only is there a, a readiness to help others, but in verse 13, he says here, given to hospitality. So sociable with others. Don't just be ready to help somebody, but be sociable with them. You know, it'd be well to have somebody over your house. Be well to share the gospel with someone. 
Be sociable with one another. One thing with COVID, it has created an environment where nobody wants to interact with anybody else. We need to be sociable. Then in verse 14, being a blessing to others. Verse 14, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. So be a blessing to someone. And then in verse 15, comfort, be a comfort to those that are hurting. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. There's people that are rejoicing and great victories they've experienced. There's others that are weeping because of losses they've gone through. And listen, he does not put, tell us to put an emphasis on the one that is rejoicing or an emphasis on the one that is weeping. He is saying there needs to be a relationship that is built, that it is a natural process that you are ready to comfort those that are hurting because you know how to rejoice when it's time to rejoice. And you know how to comfort when there's a need to comfort someone's heart that is weeping. And so practical involvement. This is all, this is all revolves around Christian relationships. And here's the last thought. Uh, intellectual oneness. Notice in verse 16, we need intellectual harmony. It says, be of the same mind one towards another. So have the same mind and just literally just means let there be harmony. If we're thinking the same thing, uh, I remember years ago, my dad told me, well, you know, he said, my kids don't need to ask me what I think about something. They already know what it is. And so if we're thinking about Christ, if we have the mind of Christ, it's, listen, it's easy to have harmony in our relationship. So intellectual harmony. Notice social harmony in verse 16 he says, mind not the things but, con but condescend to men of low estate. And so he's saying this, mind not high things. In other words, do not seek for official or social distinctions. Uh, there's so much emphasis in American society right now in reference to distinctions. What makes us different from each other? And it has become so much an emphasis that I think it's hindering our ability as Christians to have a proper relationship because relationships are not built on our distinctions. Relationships are built on the basis of who Christ is in our life. You think about the disciples of Jesus Christ, and I mean to tell you, you talk about distinctions you talk about a motley crew. You talk about having complete different backgrounds and temperaments and everything else. But it was Christ that built a social harmony in that group that they were able to turn the world upside down for Christ. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 11 says, Where, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. There must be social harmony. And if there's one thing that's going to be able to uh, deliver America from all this division that is in America and bring social harmony, it is Jesus Christ. 
And so we need to share Christ with one another. I see in verse 16, humble harmony. Notice in verse 16, be not wise in your own conceits. Humble harmony. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, condescend to men, he says. Instead of seeking preeminence, we're to walk in lowly spirit as Jesus Christ did. Humble harmony. Then in verse 16, there's doctrinal harmony. In verse uh, 16, it says, be not wise in thy own conceits. In other words, don't be conceited, which means excessively proud. Don't be so opinionated. You know, I've, I've had people over the years say, well, I just need to share my mind. No, you don't. I want to know what your mind is. I want to know what Christ has to say. I want to know the mind of Christ on the issue. Don't be so proud. Uh, don't be so puffed up. Don't be so opinionated. Let's just be wise because of looking to the word of God. That's how we build proper relationships. And then the last thing is in verse 17 is emotional harmony. Notice in verse 17, it says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And I just put, I just kind of closed the thing with, uh, if it's possible. If it be possible. Christian relationships. If it be possible that we can possibly maintain proper Christian relationships Let's strive to do that. Uh, let, let, let's not ignore it. Let's acknowledge the fact that God has so designed us to be social beings. You know, back when God created Adam, he said this, it's not good for man to be alone. God created us as social beings. And we need, that's why people desire and long to be with other people. We need that uh, interaction, those relationships to be built upon Jesus Christ. And so Christian relationships. I hope that was a blessing to you tonight. I hope that was uh, helped you in some way. Uh, there may be a relationship that you have that just needs to be restored. And I just know this, the difficulty with Christian relationships is that uh, you can't always get people to respond the way they should respond. But that doesn't mean you have to do wrong. You can do what is right. And so let's strive to build relationships together. Uh, there's a prayer sheet that is on our website.